listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, New Chapel. Welcome to a series that we're calling Just Getting Started, where we do believe here at New Chapel that God is calling you, your family, your tribe to greater things. Can I hear an amen, church? Uh, Like I said, my name is Joe. I'm the pastor here. And this series has been really kind of us taking a lap as a church and celebrating what God has done and also remembering some of the things that made us who we are. And and it really cites where we're going as well. It's, It's been a pretty big deal. Last week, if you missed it, and some of you did, you were at the lake, like holding on to your last moments of summer, and you'd done gotten that water, and it was freezing. And that blessed me, honestly, because you weren't here. But uh, if, if you missed last week, I give you absolution. But uh, if you missed last week, we showed a video talking about a little bit of the history of our church. Ask somebody who you're sitting next to. It, it was pretty cool, and I would encourage you to go to newchapel.com slash watch, and you can trek with that video on there. But uh, it's impossible to fit into one service Everything that happened in 10 years, there's so much that we left out, so many important people that we left out. There's so many high highs, low lows, everything in between, God moving mountains. We tried to give you an essence of our journey, and, and it was great. But, you know, we've been celebrating as a church during this series and really this whole year what God is doing because we've recognized that it's not normal. We've been celebrating life change. We've been celebrating people being healed, people being healed of addiction, uh, families being reunited. We've been celebrating, now check this, get loud with me, everybody, 124 people documented giving their life to Christ. 51 baptisms. Come on, somebody. And, and God's been doing his thing here at New Chapel, and we've been so excited about it. And, and we've acknowledged the fact that it's not just because we're so great. It's because we are a church that has been built on values, a code, some distinctives that if you apply these to your life as a person or as a family or a, as a business, really, uh, or as a church, they will make you thrive. And, and it's made all the difference. Uh, Write it down. We are called to build our lives on a series of solid truths from God's word. We believe that. And these solid truths are distinctives that when they're ignored, when they're laid to the side, it really becomes a killer. You lose that forward momentum in your life. And so I've been thanking God for what he's been doing at New Chapel. And and at the same time, this series has kind of made this thing bubble up in my heart. And here's what it is. It's like almost a fear where here's what it looks like. I don't want to wake up someday and find myself pastoring a normal church because this isn't normal, because of the excitement, the momentum, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that has been moving at at our church. I don't want to wake up someday and be like, well, wait a second. God's moving down there, but he's not moving at New Chapel. I don't want that to happen. And I think that this is something that is a tension to manage. It's not something that you can check off a box. It has to be something that we constantly return to, we focus on. Well, good news is the Bible has answers for these type of tensions that we need to manage. If you have your Bibles, turn with me through to 2 Timothy. I'm going to start reading in the first chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of your Bible, a lot of your New Testament, he's writing to one of his protégés, 
In fact, really his right-hand man, a young kid named Timothy. Timothy is pastoring a church in Ephesus. He is kicking butt and taking names. He's doing great, okay? But this is pretty significant because these are Paul's last words that he's penning to Timothy. And, and, And here's what he says. He says, what you've heard from me, so like the things that you saw me teach and do, you need to keep. Everybody say the word keep. You need to keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit. Everybody say the word guard. Everybody say the word guard. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it. Say guard it. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The Bible is trying to convey to you that God has made a deposit. He's made an investment and what you have to do, this is written to a man of God. This is, this is written to us as believers where it's like, yeah, God's done a great thing, but you don't want to lose that ground. I'm not saying you're going to lose and not go to hell. That's not, that's not my message. What I'm trying to say is you don't want to lose the momentum and forward motion. You don't want to go back to where you were. And so you have to guard the deposit, keep the deposit of what God has done. But he uses this choice word deposit. In other words... Everything that God has done at New Chapel, as amazing as it has been, as much celebration as it is due, as much praise as we give God for the great things he has done, listen to me, God looks at that as the deposit on what he wants to do. It's, it, but this way, it's the down payment on what he wants. You haven't seen, come on, Tony Bennett, where's the prophet? Tony Bennett, you ain't seen nothing yet? Like the greater things have yet to come. God has bigger, greater, more amazing things. And so you've got to guard what has happened. There's some cultural things. There's some memories. You've got to remember what you used to be before God. You have to remember what he's done in the past. You have to guard some things, but then also you've got to leverage that as kind of a springboard, right? You want to spiral up from that and become everything that God has called you to be. He wants to complete the work that he started. Today's message, write it down, is guard the deposit, build on the foundation. Guard the deposit. Guard what he has done. Guard the investment he has made, but also build on the foundation. And we value what God has done. We're so grateful. But here's what I know. God has more. He has more for you. He has more for your home. He has more for your family. He has more for this church. He has more, and we know that this isn't all that there is. If you're new to New Chapel, let me say this. You came at the best week you possibly could because you are going to get an essence today for who we are. You're going to get a a feel for what we value here at this church and, and really what we have valued for a long time, probably what brought you through the doors today, to be honest. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give you some ideas of what it looks like to keep what he has done and move forward with all God has. Five big thoughts today. Write it down. Number one, we need to guard our passion for more of God. Are you with me, everybody? Guard our passion. New Chapel, you are a passionate group of people. You don't paint with pale colors. You, you offer some pretty vibrant uh, colors as you paint. You, you've, you've got this vibrancy to you. You're passionate. But I know while we are, as a, as a majority, very passionate people, there are people in our midst every single week. And you maybe have been saved for a long time. Maybe you grew up in the church, and, and you think like, okay, that's great, Pastor Joe. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I'm so happy for you, but you know, I, I'm good. God and I are good. And here's what I want to do. I have a license to do this. 
I'm going to push back a little bit and say, if you have that attitude, you need to repent. Because if you think you've seen all of what God can do, you haven't seen the pinky finger of his power and glory that he can show in your life and in your community because God has just got started. I'm talking to some people in the room that you think you got it all together and what you need to do is obey God and take your next step because he has something more for you. Go more all in than you already have. And that's the only way that you're going to really have a vibrant relationship with God. You can know God, you can go to heaven, and, and, and in some ways have some passive element to your relationship, but if you really want to have any kind of peace in this world, if you want to have any kind of real life change, you can't seek God half-heartedly. That's what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 29. The Bible says this. He says, you're going to seek me and find me when? When you seek me with all of your heart. The passive seeker of faith, of Christianity, of a new life, my friend, you just don't find it. And so from the very beginning of New Chapel, this is going to sound so bold to some people, but others of you have heard me say this for, for like a long time. Give us a year of your life. If you give us a year of your life, you do everything that New Chapel's doing, like the doors are open, you're there. Okay, we're having a serve day. We're there. Uh, you guys are having a special worship night. Awesome. Going to the worship night. We're having a prayer meeting. I have no idea how to pray. I'll go. You know, you're checking your kids in. You're getting that little parent sheet, and you're like, here's a scripture. I'm going to act like I know it because you don't know I don't know it. And you just do it. Do the thing for a year. It'll change your life. And by the way, it won't take a year for you to see results. But if you give a year into this and stop passively seeking God, if you actually seek him and seek him with all of your heart, you're going to say, this is the best year ever because I sought God, I found God, he's vibrant in my home, my teenagers are acting right, that's a miracle. But like, I sought God and I found him because I sought him with all of my heart. Do you see it? And so that's the only way that we can find him is when we seek him with everything that we have. So you should ask yourself this question, and it's a question that I ask myself regularly and certainly right with you this weekend. Write it down. What do I need to do to go all in with God? What's that last thing that's holding you back? Well, I don't want to be a fanatic. Well, you're describing a Christian, not a fanatic. Like, what's, what's holding you back? Cut that string and just jump in. You've seen what it's like when you do it on your own. You should try it the best way, God's way. Amen, somebody. Uh, number two, got to press on. We need to guard our pursuit of the lost, people who don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. We need to guard that. And so this is the weekend that we have gone to three services. You are crazy. We had to put out chairs on the weekend that we went to three services. You're bad to the bone. I love you. But let's never become those people who say, well, pastor, haven't we grown enough? Not, not when there's lost people in Grand Rapids. Not when there's people who are seeking a relationship with their God, but they can't find a church that's life-giving or will open their doors for them. Not, not when people are seeking out a relationship with God through Jesus. No, because it's not about me. I've never sought to grow a big church. I want to grow a big people. That is what's going to change this awful, awful, awful situation that we find ourselves in in the world. It's when you become bigger than the issues that you face. Wow. And so I believe this. We need to never stop our efforts of reaching lost people and, and really never spare anything in reaching the lost because God spared nothing when he was reaching us. Anybody else know what I'm talking about in the house? And so I remember... <laughs> The day that Hunter Carly darkened the door of New Chapel. 
Hunter was buck wild when he came to church. If you don't know him, he's still a little buck wild today, but (laughs) he came into church and he had hangups and everything else you could imagine. He was a young buck and, you know, they know everything when they first come in and, and God found him here and he accepted Christ. It's pretty cool. And, uh, and I'd like to say it was up and to the right. It was if you're like, you know, a thousand feet away, but it was a lot of this actually. It was like going to Silver Lake on the sand dunes. This was his spiritual journey, which is yours too, mind you. But, uh, you know, it, it, he got baptized. I remember that day and, and that was, that was amazing. And then I, I remember him getting filled with God's spirit and then he came and he said, Pastor Joe, I feel like I'm called in the ministry. And I said, the circus? What do you say? You know, like <laughs> called the ministry. And you know how like when, when you have young kids, uh, some of you have been taking those back to school pictures and you're looking at your kids from this year to last year like, wait a minute, you know. It's kind of like that when you're around somebody a lot and that, then you look over and say, that's a young man of God. And that's your church. It's not about us growing to be the big whatever. It's about us growing a big people. It's about people who are lost in life, finding God in this house through Jesus. Are you with me, everybody? Come on, Tim. Mark 16 and verse 15, Jesus said this. He said, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. I love how like direct, how do you weasel your way out of that one? I just don't want a big church. Well, I want you to go everywhere and tell everybody. How about that one? You know? In fact, New Chapel, did you know that your church does not have a mission statement that we wrote? That's our mission statement. New Chapel doesn't have, we have vision, we have different purposes that we derive, but that's your mission statement here at New Chapel. Go everywhere and tell everyone. Literally, that's our heart from the very beginning of this church, and that's our call. And so, yes, you need to, like, invite yourself in on this journey, give, give a year to this thing, but then you need to invite other people along on what God is doing in your life. Write this down. Ask yourself the question, I am myself, who can I invite to church this year? Church doesn't save you, but church for most of us in the room, this is the place, the context where you found a relationship with God through Christ. And you might struggle to say, like, hey, do you want to pray to accept Jesus, but I can do that every single week, and I promise I won't embarrass you. So I can do something you might not be able to do, and you can do something I can't do because you know people I don't know, and I'll never embarrass you. When I say heads bowed, eyes closed, and you brought somebody, I don't give you permission to peek in Jesus' name because when their hand goes up, that's your favorite day at church. Anybody else know what I'm talking about in the house? Number three, got to press on. We need to guard the priority of connecting in authentic, honest relationships. The church I grew up in, uh, we read the book, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. Uh, We had unauthentic and dishonest relationships. Here's here's what I mean. Maybe you went there. Uh, We, how you doing, brother? Oh, praise God. Everything's going great. How are your kids? Better than ever. I mean, meanwhile, like literally carjacked a car. They're on a rampage. There's an amber alert out. I mean, like it's just a lot happening. Praise the Lord, you know? And I get it. When you're coming into a church, you don't need to air out your dirty laundry. That's not what we're looking for here. But I want you to have this. I want you to have authentic and honest relationships. And the Bible shows us something. It shows us that there's going to be a tendency for us not to want to do that. There's going to be a tension to manage where where we're going to want to kind of just do our own things. Let me show it to you out of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. The Bible says this. Let us not give up meeting together. Don't give up on the church. Jesus died to build something. 
And it was his church. Don't, don't give up on church as some are in the habit of doing. Keep that passage up there and look at me, everybody. Why would Christians get into the habit of doing it? Let me tell you why. Because you live in Michigan, and you know that there's only three months of good weather. And then it goes dark, like for another nine months. And you're like, we got to fit everything in. And you started going to some campground. Where, Listen, we're just going to go to Sandy Pines once. And then you done live there for three months, okay? And, and you're soaking it up. And it just it sneaks up on you. You didn't mean to get away from church. I got you. Bible's acknowledging that. It says that, that life happens. What else happens? Uh, soccer happens. Cheerleading schedule. Lord Almighty, cheerleading. That's its own religion, okay? Like, just, and you get into a habit of doing something that God's like, hey, I died to build something. Go on vacation. Please go on. But don't give up on church. Make this this milestone, this set point in your life. And then it says, let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day, capital D, the day approaching. Well, what day, pastor? When Jesus comes back, like judgment day, the day where we have this life review. And what the Bible tells me to do, like right now, is encourage you as we get closer to when Jesus is coming back. He's coming back quicker than you think. Different series. I have to encourage you and say, don't give up on church. Now, listen, church is rose. I get it. Church is Sunday morning celebrations. But did you know church is not only rose? Church is also circles. What are you talking about? Church is not just the rose of Sunday morning. It's circles of small groups of people meeting during the week. If you haven't done it both contexts, you haven't really done church yet completely. Don't give up on this. Your grandparents, by the way, lest you think this is a new thing, they called it Sunday school. This has been around since the Bible was being written. You need to have big celebrations Sunday morning, and then you have smaller groups where you can ask questions. It'd be totally inappropriate if somebody said, yes, Pastor Joe, I don't believe what you're saying right now to be true. I mean, that'd be totally inappropriate. But you go to a small group, I, I small group religious are really going to love me. Stump them. <laughs> Bring a real doozy. <laughs> because we believe that truth can stand up to all of that. But the big idea with all of this is that you need these relationships, and it becomes this habit where you fall away. Well, today our small groups are having a small group fair, and we have all kinds of different topics. We've got uh, marriage groups. We've got groups to tell you how to get out of debt. We've got groups that are about end times and about Christian growth. We've got all kinds of them. You can go look at them. But here's my my little uh, agenda. You ready? It's just a hook. If I, I, and I don't think I have to do this, if I had to make the discernment in between you going to one of these groups and just learning and just having Sunday school or you having relationships, I'd pick relationships 10 out of 10. Now, I don't think I have to make the discernment. I think you can grow, but you need, to, you need to meet somebody. You need to talk to other people. Somebody needs to know the real you. Let me tell you why. It was the Saturday before Easter of 2015. We were still a mobile church at the time. We were at North Point High School, and we're setting up because the next day we're going to have this big Easter celebration. I bought two Easter bunny outfit costume mascot thingies. I've got inflatables going in and all kinds of fun stuff. It's going to be a blast. And so I went and checked my phone. We're late at night on a Saturday, and I missed a billion calls. And so I call it back, and it's this, uh, it's this police officer. From, from the sheriff's office, and, and what she conveyed to me is, hey, someone in your church family uh, has, has gone through something awful, and, he, and here's what happened. Wilfredo and Mildred Orama, they were two Puerto Rican parts of our church. They were part of the guest services team. They are just great, and 
I love their accent because you, you almost just ask them questions to hear them talk. It was so interesting. And, and I love those guys. Kai and I had date nights with them. They were great. And, and they had gone and had a date night over in Holland, Zealand, and they were coming back, and they were taking that road that is right in front of Tanger. And, uh, and while they were driving home from this beautiful night, beautiful evening, he's dating his wife. They're in their 50s. His heart just stops. And the car goes off. They didn't get into an accident, per se. Just went into the ditch and stopped. Of course, she was just beside herself. And, and I get the call that he has passed away, that uh, the ambulances are all gone, and that I'm here, and I just stayed in my, my sheriff's posse car to be with her. She's got nobody. You need to get out here. And so I'm like, guys, it's on you. Easter's going to happen whether I'm here or not. And I got my car, and I zipped across town. I, I got to that area and uh, got to the side of the road, and I saw uh, Mildred, I saw the trooper, and I saw Mildred's small group leader. Yes. She beat me. And I said, hey, uh, you know, yeah, and, and I'm like, hey, uh, are you okay? And, and she just collapses into my arms. You're holding a woman that just lost her husband of decades. Just no, no warning at all, just heart stopped. And, and she said, can I go say goodbye to him? I'm like, of course. So I went down. And he's still in the grass. This is very graphic. We go down, and, and we're next to him. She's just, her tears are getting this white sheet wet. And I'm like, this is, this is the most weighty things in life right now. This is what ministry is. And she's asking why this happens. And by the way, they're never looking for an answer when that happens in that moment. I don't know, sweetheart. I'm, I'm here for you. She says goodbye to her husband. So emotional. And we get back up to the side of the road, and two more members of her small group were at the side of that road. And they said, Pastor, it's Easter tomorrow. We got this. And I got it that day. Here's what I got. You need someone like that in your life. And not many of you have it. You think you have it. You think you have a friend. But when life really happens, do you have somebody who has faith who's going to be next to you when it all goes down. I want that so badly. And so here's my question. I pray you ask yourself, will I let someone know the real me? Are you going to let somebody in? Or are you going to be like Western Michigan has been for a long time and just play church? Just give the preacher a good listening on a Sunday morning, shake your head, praise God, go sick him, pastor. Are you really going to get into this thing and find somebody that can help you in this world? Wow. Number four, have to press on. Let's guard the progression of spiritual growth. Guard the progression of spiritual growth. Now, listen, I'm not discounting the fact that when you get saved, when you get born again, you go from death to life and it happens in a moment. There's no progression with that. Some people say, well, I believe that healing is being healed spiritually. Well, baloney, you're dead spiritually and then you become alive. You need a resurrection, not a healing. And so I believe in that. But listen, once you're saved... You engage on a journey, and it's going to be however you take it. Billy Graham was learning to be more like Jesus his entire life. Every day, he was becoming more like him until he went to go and meet Jesus. You are on a journey. And to those in the room that says, oh, listen, I've come far enough. I'm good. Us four no more. I'm praying. My... I've got this, Pastor. I would just say you're taking issue with the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of your New Testament. This is what he says. This is the person who thinks that they're done. Philippians 3. He says, brothers, in other words, Christians, I don't consider myself yet to be all that in a bag of chips. That's the Joe Bevilacqua version. 
I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm not there yet. I don't have this thing all together. But one thing I do, I forget what's behind me, and I strain toward what is ahead. I press, I press, I press, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, I don't have it all together. So if you think that you have it all together and you've just arrived, well, my lanty, you ought to write a book. But, but, but outside of that, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the good book, he says, I ain't there yet. And so you have these next steps. God has something more for you. And it is a journey. And you have to make peace with that process. You have to make peace with the journey that God has for you. Say amen, somebody. Amen. What are you saying, Pastor Joe? Keep growing. Don't just get your fire insurance and be like, I'll hold on till heaven. See you when we get... No, because you're going to live a lot of hell on earth. If you want to avoid some of this junk that the world has, you're going to have to lean into every good thing that God has for you. So you have to ask this question, what is my next step spiritually? Ask yourself. Ask your spouse. Ask your small group, what's my next step spiritually, because you have one. Everyone in the room, you've got a next step. God's not done with you. If you, God was done with you, you wouldn't be breathing yet. God's not done with you. He has more for you. What's your next step spiritually? It's why we do New Chapel Connect, and it happens during all three of our services now, because we want you to find out more about the church for sure. We want to give you an opportunity to join for sure, but most of New Chapel Connect has to do with you finding out your gifts, talents, your spiritual gifts, and finding out how to plug that in to be able to serve God in a way that you're fulfilling purpose and find that next step that he has for you. That's what it's about. And then I'm going to bring this up again because it's not getting old for me. I think you need to be water baptized. If you are a Christian and you're not water baptized, you are at a church right now where the waters of baptism never run dry. In fa- yeah, yeah, why not, right? Take the hill. <laughs> but, but listen, here's the big idea. We got a hot tub heater for our, our baptism. It's, it's a delight to get baptized at New Chapel. It's wonderful. You're going to be high-fiving your friends when you get in, okay? We used to baptize everybody in a horse trough. It was freezing. It was a real test of your, your sincerity for the Lord, but... But since we've removed that test, it's back there. And it's not just back there. People are getting baptized in bathtubs during small groups. People are getting baptized at the lake. It's happening because we're putting it in front of you and saying, God, is a next step, don't ignore it. Oh, God, I, I, he's got big things i got to focus on. He just wants you to get wet. That's hard. I mean, you can do that. And so listen, what's your next step? Well, I've been a Christian for a long time. I should have got baptized when I was young. Yeah, but it was going to be hard then for different reasons. And it's hard now. And when you're... When you're 80 years old, it's going to be hard then. My friend, lean into every good thing that God has for you, whether it's baptism, whether it's joining a group, whether it's you being faithful to church, getting out of that old habit, jumping into faithfulness, whatever it looks like, God has a next step. Amen, somebody? And so there's passion for God. There's this pursuit of others, a priority of relationships, and this progression on a spiritual journey. And then number five, we need to guard our participation in our church. What are you saying, Pastor? Don't, don't just attend church. Be the church. Don't, don't just come and give me a good hearing. Engage in this. It is one thing to be in the stands and have a little pennant that you're waving, and it is another thing to be on the field and get the ball passed to you. It is a team sport. There are no spectators in this thing. The church, as it is described in the New Testament, it is a family on fire making a difference, constantly expanding. That's what you are called to be. And so you say, well, Pastor Joe, what does God have for me next? 
And what I would say is this, what does God have for us next? What are we going to do next? Because this is not my church. Well, well, it is, but it's your church just as much. Those are not my chairs. Those are your chairs. These are not my screens. These are your screens. Now, I'd appreciate it if you leave them where they are because we plan on using them next week. But, but this, this is your stuff. This is your house. And if it's all on me, we'll never become everything God's called us to be. It's all of us together. This is our church. This is our time to build this kingdom for Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Bible says this, for we are God's co-workers. You ever thought of yourself in that way? We're God's co-workers in God's service. You're God's field, God's building. And this is a fitting message as we cap 10 years of ministry here at New Chapel because I'm wondering if I've told you lately, look at me, I need you. I can't do this alone. I don't want to. I've met too many wonderful people. You're, you're, too, you're gifted in ways I'm not. We've got to do this thing together. We've got to make a difference together. I don't want to do this without you, and God has more for all of us. It continues on. By the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. So pause for a second. You just leave that passage on there. Paul is saying that like, God gave me some wisdom, and, and I started to build this foundation. It's a wonderful thing. But, but it's like I started the foundation, but other people are building on it. Can I put it this way? It's like, it's like I got my head out the door, and I can see this beautiful sunset on Lake Michigan. And then I'm coming back in. I'm describing it to you, and you're painting it as I describe it. Paul's trying to describe this tension between like, I, I've got this plan from God, but other people have to build it. I've got this, I've got this plan, but other people have a vote in what the plan is going to be worked out. Wow. And then he says this, he says, but each one, say that with me, say each one, each one should build with care. This is very personal for you. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus. If anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, he's, he's using this allegorical language, and he's saying, like, if you do quality things with your life, or wood, hay, or straw. There's two different qualities of things. Next verse, verse 13. Their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, there's that theme again, right? The day Jesus comes, this life review, judgment day, will bring it to light. It will be revealed. Don't say nobody ever told you. It'll be revealed with fire. So how he, how he says that this day is going to be this life review is that it's going to go up in flames. <laughs> but what lasts out of gold, silver, precious gems, or wood, hay, and stubble? What lasts out of those qualities? What's the things that that mattered. And he's trying to say eternal things. The qualities that serve eternal purposes, that's the stuff that's going to last. Everything else is going to burn up. This is fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, oof, the builder will receive a reward. And if it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss. You're going to heaven, yet you will be saved. Listen, if you're a Christian, you're going, this is not a matter of salvation. It's how well you're going to live here and really to see whether or not your life counted there. What counts? Eternal things. What's eternal? God, his word, and his people. That's it. What about heaven? No, nope, he's going to stop that and start it again. What about earth? He can burn that up too. <laughs> we don't have a bonfire after judgment, I'm just telling you. <laughs> what matters? 
people. So you got to ask yourself, this is a very weighty question. Pastor, it feels like you're meddling. i got a license to do this. It's okay. How can I use my time, my talent, and my treasure to make an eternal difference? How can I help be a person to make a difference in this world? How can I help people find God like I found God? Because that's what it is about. Wow. Now, the passage that we just read, it says that we have to guard the foundation and also build on the foundation. So I want us to to guard the deposit like that first passage that we read today. I, I want us to guard, but if we just guard, we'll become a Christian country club. It'll be about just us four and no more. It'll be just about our interests and what the party planning committee wants to do. Does it make sense? If we just guard. So we do need a guard, but if we just guard, we miss out. And on the other end, we need to build on the foundation. But if we, if we just build, 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 build without the foundation, it bottoms out. What do you do? Both. We've got this incredible foundation, 10 years. This is my last sermon of 10 years of being a senior pastor. I can't believe it. Wow. I started preaching when I was 12. That's a lie. (laughs) And I can't think of a better thing to say than God has given us a foundation that we need to guard. We can't lose who we are. We got to build this thing, but build it relationally. But listen to me. It's time to build. It's time to invest in people's lives. It's time to make this not just be about us, but make it be about them as well. And we can grow, and they can grow, and God will have glory in all of it. That is the call. And on my last sermon of my 10 years of being a senior pastor, I want to give you a state of the union. Here it is. Kai and I aren't going anywhere. We love you. We love you so much. We're not in this thing just to build a big church. We want to build you. We want to do this journey together. I feel like I'm renewing my wedding vows right now. And I've never been more passionate for God than I am right now. And what I want to know is together, can we be passionate for God? Together, can we, can we pursue others and grow relationally? Together, can we be the people that commit to next steps? Can we be the people that want to build God's house together? Because if we do that, we will guard foundation. We will build something strong. And when we do that, people who are far from God will be raised to new life in Christ. And it will be because we are a church who is just getting started. Are you with me, everybody? Bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute. I want to pray. God, I pray for my church. I pray for those people that are hearing this message and you're stirring in their heart. God, I know that you have next steps for them. Lord, as I'm praying right now, I know that you're ministering to some people about joining a group, even though they feel like it's perfectly awkward. In fact, one person in the room, I feel by the Spirit of God, just the thing that goes through your head over and over again is, does this sound so dorky? Listen, you ain't going to be the only dork there, but God is calling you right now. Take your next step. I know that he's speaking to other people about committing, like right now, committing. Like when you get in your car and you're leaving to go home today, speaking to your spouse and being like, you know what we have to do. God, I pray that you minister next steps. I pray that you minister to people to get out of their shell and build real relationship. And God, I thank you that as you do, They get closer to you, and they draw more people closer to you. 
Because truth and a real relationship with God through Jesus is attractive. I pray for my church. God, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice who doesn't know you, help me to find them. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed just for another minute if you would. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that means that, yes, when you die, you'll avoid a Christless hell. You'll go to heaven if you make Jesus Lord of your life. But eternal life doesn't start when you die. The abundant life, the eternal life that you need, the resolve, the peace that you need, you need it today. The only way to find that is by making Jesus Lord of your life. It's you giving up control. It's you saying, I'm done being the God of my life because I know what that's got me. So if you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, we want to help you with that. So we're going to pray. But it's you giving control over to your Lord. You have a boss at that point. And when you do it, that peace that you're looking for will rush in. I know it because it happened to me. Now, church, we're going to pray this with people who are praying it for the first time. But I want you to pray with me. I want you to support them. And I want this to be a declaration of your faith. Everybody pray this out loud with me. Pray, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised Jesus from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. I want to pray for you real quick before we dismiss. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, love you guys. See you next weekend. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.